And this week as we're ramping up to the last few days before Christmas, I hope that you are ready to go because I got news for you. Santa Claus is coming to town. Here comes Santa Claus. Santa, I know you've been waiting and he's waiting. Look at that smile on his face. He's, he's been eating a lot of milk and cookies. He's doing good. But we talked about the Grinch here a couple, a few weeks ago and his trusty sidekick, Max. And then last week we talked about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I hope that every time you've listened to Rudolph on the radio or whatever this week, that you've remembered the message from last Sunday, and that here on out, every time you hear about Rudolph, that you'll think about the message from last Sunday. If you weren't here last Sunday, you'll have to listen to it. But I hope that it's a prompt and a cue for you to remember what Rudolph is all about as it relates to who we are and our walk with the Lord and our privilege to be able to share the light of Christ with those everywhere. But today, we're going to be looking at Santa Claus. While the Grinch has one famous song written about him, which we heard a few weeks ago, a little bit of it, um, and also Rudolph has a couple of actually songs written about him, uh, Santa Claus, I did some research on this, yes, and uh, there's about 50, give or take, songs that are written either about him or have him included or mentioned him in the lyrics. So he's a pretty big deal for Christmas. Does this sound funny to you? It's, can you just turn this off? Don't even worry about it, Pastor Joseph. I'm going to use this, okay? That way we're not fighting with it, okay? There it is. And then this is coming here. Now we're much better, aren't we? Okay. So we have about 50 give or take songs about Santa Claus that are written and very popular. Some are more popular than others. Uh, I would like to maybe let you holler out some of these songs. Can you think of any song titles that you want to holler out? Go ahead, give me a... Give me a Santa, Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Yes, we hear that one a lot. Anybody else? Here comes Santa Claus. Here comes Santa Claus. Oh, I'm sorry, that's the name of the song. Here comes Santa Claus. Yeah, any others? <laughs> huh? Sit. My least favorite Christmas song of all time is Santa Baby. But yes, that's one of them. I saw Santa kissing, I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. I'm not sure what song you're listening to, but yes. Someone, someone said something back there. Anybody else? Jolly old Saint Nicholas, lean your ear this way. Yeah, uh-huh, there you go. Anybody else? <clears throat> How about grandma got run over by a reindeer? Did you know that Santa Claus is mentioned in there? As for me and Grandma, we believe. You know, they believe. That's some funny. Silver Bells actually has Santa Claus. This is, this is his big scene, right? So this is Santa's big scene. How about the Beach Boys, Little St. Nick? Yeah, stuff like There's a lot of good songs out there. How about, I like this one. Up on the housetop, click, click, click. Down through the chimney comes old St. Nick. Oh, man, he is all over the place this year. He's in countless movies. He's certainly in all these songs that we listen to. He's on TV shows. He pops up in commercials. He's in the malls. I don't know how he does it. Jingle bells. We're, we're moving on, but thank you. These <laughs> people just start hollering out these songs. They're, they're Googling it now. Hey, here's one. <clears throat> he's, on, he's on the street corners. He's ringing bells. He's collecting money. You hear him on the radio, you see him in magazines, you see him on the internet, you hear, you see him on billboards. Santa, you're everywhere. 
And while the Grinch and the Rudolph are firmly rooted in the land of make-believe, Santa is actually a real person at his origins. I want to talk to you a little bit about the background of Santa Claus by a man by the name of Nicholas who eventually became a saint. Saint Nicholas was a real man. He was actually a priest in the Catholic Church and he lived in the fourth century in what we now know as the country of Turkey. He was born to a wealthy family of Greek Christians, so he was born in, uh, in wealth. And he had a lot of claims to fame in his life. If you did any, do any research about, about St. Nicholas, you would realize that some of the claims to his fame are truly, they fall into the category of the unbelievable. But there is one story that he did, there's one fact that he did that lends itself to what is known today, that to, for, for what he's known for today. And here's the story. There was a man with three daughters back in Nicholas's day in his community that lost his wealth due to difficult times. And therefore, he didn't have a dowry for them to offer to prospective husbands. And back then, if a young woman didn't have a dowry, then they were destined to make a living by turning to prostitution. So Nicholas heard of their plight and he decided to do something about it. So in the cloak of night, not wanting, the reason he did it at night is he didn't want anyone to know it was him, but also he wanted to make sure that his, the father wasn't embarrassed or humiliated because there was a pride issue there with the father, certainly with any man I would imagine. And so he quietly went to the man's house and he dropped a bag of gold coins through one of their windows. And upon seeing those coins, the next morning, the father was elated, of course, wondering where they came from, but he was able to then provide a dowry for his first daughter. So success, but there was two daughters to go. So once the wedding took place, Nicholas did it again, and he provided a dowry for the second daughter, and so the second daughter then married. And finally, the father, uh, got a little bit wise to it and realized that there was a pattern going on here and so he, he, wait, he, he waited up a few nights to see who was giving them the gold coins and when Nicholas showed up again the father was able to catch him in the act and also then thank him for his generous gift he was able to then use that third bag of coins for his third daughter of course and he was able to save all of his daughters from an awful and hopeless future that actually happened this story made its way this particular story made its way to the Dutch colonies in old Europe hundreds of years later. Nicholas at that, by that time was sainted in the Catholic Church, so Saint Nicholas. And then the Dutch, by the way, they have a different language than English, if you don't know that. And so they called him Sinterklaas. Sinterklaas. I think I should have it up on the screen here so you can see what it's look like. Sinterklaas. It's not, okay, S-I-N-T-E-R-K-L-A-A-S. It's a derivative of St. Nicholas. That Klaus is the Nicholas. Nicholas. So St. Nicholas becomes Sinterklaas. Now, they decided to celebrate his generosity in St. Nicholas's life by throwing a feast in his honor in early December every year, and then they gave gifts to one another. You start to see how this is starting to formulate here. So then the Dutch, some of the Dutch migrated Sinterklaas celebration to America when they came to America to live. And then 
as the years rolled on, many other traditions and variants were added to, uh, to the legend of Sinterklaas. Uh, such as flying sleigh with a reindeer, which is actually a thing. It's a, it's a particular thing that they celebrated back thousand, actually a thousand or so years ago. Also coming down from the chimney, there's a purpose for that. that that's, that's just made up. There actually was things like that happened. Uh, the red suit and also putting gifts in stockings. All of those come from a real thing. And so it was all kind of piled together into one general sort of thought. And what was the crux that kind of changed this, that kind of launched the modern-day Santa Claus into what we know it today, was a poem written in the 1820s called The Night Before Christmas. Twas the night before Christmas is all through the house. You know the rest of it. Uh, uh, in fact, many people read that particular poem on Christmas Eve to their children. And it helped really to launch what we know today as our modern-day Santa Claus. Now, the Santa Claus of today is now immortal. With him, money is no object. Santa Claus has these industrious, happy little elves working alongside of him. They never go on strike. They never complain. And they can make any toy that you can ever imagine, and it's their full-time job, and they love it. He can unbelievably travel all around the world on Christmas Eve night. I don't know how he does it leaving his North Pole workshop and his residence with all the toys of the world in one giant bag on one giant sleigh being pulled by eight named flying reindeer. By the way, extra points if you can name all eight reindeer. And deliver toys to all the good little girls and the good little boys and return to that same North Pole before any of the children wake up on Christmas morning. Now you think it takes faith to believe in Jesus. <laughs> And by the way, with the advent of satellite, now everything that I just described about the whole leaving North Pole and getting back is actually verifiable because there's actually a Santa tracker. You can download it on your phone and there's an app. You can watch Santa leave. He can see where he is on Christmas Eve. So it's a fact, right? Yeah. So here's another thing about Santa. He's able to get into homes, even those without fireplaces. And he never gets caught. He is never seen. He never gains an extra pound from eating all the milk and cookies left for him. And he never gets arrested for breaking and entering. We just give him a pass. We actually heard this week from our son Cameron Kelly and I. It was so funny. This story, by the way, this is parents. This is, may not work for you this year, but next year. Keep this in mind. It's a great idea. Wrap up some empty. Shh, don't tell your kids this. Wrap up some empty, beautiful Christmas presents. Just empty, empty boxes, nice and wrapped up. Put them under your tree, first of December. The kids act up, take a gift away and throw it away. Right in front of them. I promise you that they will be the best, December will be their best behaved month, guaranteed. I mean, they'll straighten right on up. Now, Santa has a unique laugh, by the way, anybody? Exactly, ho, ho, ho. Now, rumor has it that he has a list, and he's checking it twice, and he's going to find out who's been naughty and nice. And, and this is also getting mighty close to the area of stalking, but he apparently knows when you're sleeping, and he also knows when you're awake, and he also knows if you've been bad or good, so, see, I mean, it's in our DNA. 
We can't even get away from it. Be good for goodness sake. Santa is really a wonderful icon, you know, in so many ways for the Christmas season. Now, Santa has his detractors. But as for me and Grandma, we believe. <laughs> but, you know, I think that all that's going on in our ugly world today, we need to give the guy a break. And we need to really cut him some slack. Because really the spirit of Santa, not the spirit of Christmas so much, but the spirit of Santa, if I can kind of separate him out. Because Christmas is just a little bit different than what Santa's going on. But there's a lot of overlap. Santa, thank you for bringing the spirit of peace and joy and giving and caring for other people to this season that we're living in and I really think that the world can certainly use more of that spirit today amen so we called out a few minutes ago some songs that are all about Santa but here's one that maybe is not as popular but it still might be kind of familiar to some of you and I've got a video of it it's a song has a it's a jazzy rendition I love this I love jazz I love the old big band versions you know of songs back in the 1940s and 50s I want to play this song for you. It's, it's got some really funny clips, and I don't necessarily espouse to one of the clips there that it says Xmas. I love to spell out Christ, Christmas. But some people say, hey, X means Christ. It's the sign of a cross. Fine, you can believe that if you want to. I'm going to spell out Christmas all the way. It may take a few more seconds, but I'm spelling out Christ every single time. But I couldn't delete it from the video, so just when you see it, just ignore it and know that it says Christ instead of Chris instead of Xmas. But go ahead and play that video and listen to this song. It's entitled, Everybody's Waiting for the Man with the Bag. Turn that up. Christmas. What's going on with that?
Take it home now. You better watch out now. You better watch out. How many's heard that song before? Does that kind of ring a little? Yeah, so a few people. It's like, wow, that sounds like an old song. It is. It's, a, it's an old song, but I love, I love it. I heard the song actually so about a month or so ago. There's a channel that we have on our TV that just plays Christmas music, and that one came up. And as that one was coming up, I thought, that's the song I'm going to use for Santa Claus, because it tells this really interesting story of the secular version of Christmas, but it also lines up so beautifully with who we know that Jesus is as a kind of a counter to it. So let me just, some of these lyrics here you might have not caught, so I'm going to go through, actually I'm going to preach this song right here, okay? But I'm going to counter it with what the Word of God says. So maybe you've never been in a message service like this before. Uh, I certainly haven't, where someone is preaching, I, like I did, Rudolph, last week I preached Rudolph, and I used that song, and the week before that, The Grinch, and I, I used that song, but I love these lyrics and how we can take them and make them something that really is special for us here today. So, the first thing that he, that she, rather, set, sings is, everybody's waiting for the man with the bag, actually, that's the name of the song, everybody's waiting for the man with the bag, you know, while the world is waiting for an event that takes place every year on December the 25th. There's also another event that is going to take place once in all of human history, and it's called the rapture. The rapture. While everyone is waiting for this man in a red suit with this bag on a sleigh, there's some that are waiting for a savior with nail-pierced, scarred hands and feet and a side in a glorious white robe coming on a white cloud. And as sure as Santa will arrive this coming week all across the world, there's a day fast approaching that will for sure guaranteed happen as well. The day that Jesus comes back and takes his bride, his church, those who have placed their faith in him up to heaven. The, the lyrics says in this song, Old Mr. Kringle is soon going to jingle the bells that'll tingle all your troubles away. Have you noticed that jingle bells in Christmas songs, if you ever hear jingle bells, what does that automatically make you think of? Christmas, right? You hear the jingle bells, jingle, jingle, and you hear them in commercials, you hear them all over the place and immediately think, oh, Christmas. When you hear jingle bells, they automatically make you associate with that season. But while Santa has some bells that he jingles signaling his arrival, Jesus also has a unique sound that can, that can and will only be connected to one momentous arrival and that I believe is going to happen very, very soon. That sound is going to be heard very, very soon. God's Word says about this coming of Christ in this way in 1 Corinthians 15, 51. It says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. How many thought you'd be listening to a message about the rapture a week before Christmas? But here it is. 
It continues in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 15. It says, according to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not perceive those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first, and after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. You know, old Mr. Kringle may have some bells to jingle, but Jesus has a trumpet call. He has a unique and resounding shout that will one day sound so loud, it'll be a clarion call to the church. And certain, it's going to be so certain that it's going to shake, awake, and raise the dead in Christ first. And then we who are alive at His coming will hear it as well and be caught up to join them in the air to meet Jesus. And He's going to take us all to a place who have, who have placed their faith in Jesus, who have placed their trust in Him, who have placed their trust in Him for their salvation. It's a place called heaven. And we're going to be with Him forever right there. Now, that that I just described, that took a lot longer than, I, than it's actually going to happen. The event itself, it's going to happen. The, uh, Santa's job takes all night. But Jesus is going to do this in what I just described in the twinkling of an eye. It's going to be a nanosecond. There's not going to be any time to react. It's, it's almost done before it gets started. The best way to illustrate this is, is this. You probably heard this before, but does anybody want to see me run around the world right now? Anybody want to see me run around the world? If you want to, raise your hand. You want me to see me run around the world? Okay, ready? Okay. You want to see me do it again? It's going to be faster than that. Jesus' return is going to be faster than me running around the world so quickly that I just did. And I'm barely out of breath. I can do it again. You want me to? No, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to save my strength. My point is this. If you're going to make a decision for Jesus, the time is now. Before the rapture, before the trumpet sounds, before this event takes place. Because you're not going to have time to be naughty or nice. Now is the time. 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Today, right at this moment, before it's too late. After the rapture, the Bible describes what's going to take place. It's going to be the worst, most awful, horrendous seven years of death and destruction and evil that the world has ever known. This seven years of chaos is going to happen because of two things combining together. God's holiness and man's unrepentant sin. When you have man's unrepentant sin and you mix it together with God's holiness, those two ingredients result in what we know as the wrath of God. God's wrath is simply His holy justice. How many likes justice? Whenever you're done wrong, you want to make sure that it's someone's punished, right? When we sin and we're not repentant, when we're not covered by the blood of Jesus, when we don't Confess our sins to Jesus. 
and accept him as our Lord and Savior, we become unrepentant. We will miss the rapture. We will be left behind. The Lord's going to come back and take up his bride one day. And it's going to happen soon with that trumpet sound. And those who are left here on the earth are going to have to face God's wrath because his holiness demands justice. He sent his son into the world, Jesus, to live a perfect life. Jesus lived a sinless life. Jesus died for our sins. And that satisfied God's requirement for the cleansing of our sins by a perfect, sinless sacrifice. His name is Jesus. And the rapture removes those who place their trust in Jesus from the earth to keep us from this time of God's judgment. If you don't believe me, read Revelation, the book of Revelation. It's a future newspaper headline. His holy justice is going to be poured out on an unrepentant and rebellious people, those who have rejected Jesus. Pastor, I haven't rejected Jesus. Yes, you have. By not receiving him, you've rejected him. There's no middle ground here. It's either you've received him or you've rejected him. Those that are in the valley of decision have a choice to make. And by not choosing Jesus, you've chosen to not choose Jesus. So the time to receive Jesus is today. The time to receive Jesus is now. Because a sound louder and eternally more important than the jingle bell of a jolly old elf is getting ready to take place. Church, I'm here to tell you today that Jesus is coming, so you better get ready. Now this song continues by saying, he's got a sleigh full, but it's not going to stay full. Stuff that he's dropping every stop of the way. Wow. How do you do it? I don't know. But I want you to listen as wonderful and thoughtful and as exciting the gifts that you're going to receive might be this Christmas season. I hate to break it to you. Those gifts, you're going to outgrow them. You're going to wear them out. They're going to be out of date. They're going to break. They're going to be out of fashion. You're going to want the latest and the most updated version sometime soon down the road. Honestly, the things that we cherish, most of them, are not going to be fit for a yard sale not too far down the road. Now, enjoy them. Certainly be grateful for them. Absolutely. But if we're just honest here, you know as well as I do, those things are not going to last. Jesus warned us, in fact, about keeping temporary things in perspective. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 says, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin don't destroy, where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. We know that scripture, don't we? Now, certainly the greatest gifts that we can unwrap this Christmas is the free gift of salvation that we can experience in Jesus Christ. That's the best gift. But we're also going to be enjoying some rewards when we get to heaven. I talked about this a couple of months ago about that beam of seat judgment where Jesus is going to be looking at all of us and we're going to stand before him one person at a time and he's going to say, well done. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Here's some rewards. Here's some gifts. Here's some wonderful things that I have for you because of all that you've done for me. We're going to be judged on our works while here on this earth. And we're going to be rewarded when we get to heaven. 
Also, by the way, this place called heaven, he's been preparing it for us for about 2,000 years, so it really must be something. And heaven is described as a place in this way in 1 Corinthians 2.9. If you have the wildest imagination possible, you still, it pales in comparison to what God is preparing for you. It says this, no eye has seen it, so your eyes haven't seen it. Your ear hasn't heard it. Your mind has not even conceived it, hasn't comprehended the things that God has prepared for those who love him. We can put it all together, all of our imaginations, and it still is just a little drop in the bucket compared to what he actually is preparing for us. Now, you may not know what you're getting for Christmas. You may hope and dream. I know as a child, my brother and I would take the Sears catalog. You remember? We'd take those Sears catalogs. Anybody ever done that when you were a kid? Circle all the stuff you wanted. Man, we circled a lot of stuff. I'm sure now, looking back at it, my parents were probably overwhelmed going, there's no way we can get all these things. But we would circle nonetheless. Oh, that's nice. I like this. I like this. The things we wanted, the things we hoped for. We'd sit under the tree. All the lights, you know, we'd take a gift and we'd shake it a little bit. See if it made a noise. Wonder what it is. Feel the weight of it. All kinds of stuff to guess. Imagining what was inside. How many knows what I'm talking about? Yeah. How many is doing that this year, right? <laughs> You know, Santa may have a sleigh full of goodies to drop off this coming week. And good for Santa. But it holds nothing to the unimaginable things and place Jesus is preparing for you and for me. Keep it in perspective. Now the song also says, you'll get yours. You'll get yours. If you've done everything you should, extra special good. Nice rhyme. But that's not where Jesus grades on that scale. Santa may go, well, if you're naughty or nice, if you're good or bad, right? The concept of Santa checking that naughty and nice list is a lot of fun, and it's really beneficial to us as parents when you think about it. Those who are nice, they get gifts, and those who are naughty, they get what? Yeah, a lump of coal, which, by the way, might not be so bad with the cost of energy this year. I might want want some of that coal. Yeah. I think a lot of people, though, may approach God in that very same way. If I'm good enough, if I go to church enough, if I say my prayers enough, if I do benevolent things enough, maybe the good stuff will outweigh the bad stuff on my naughty, nice spectrum. And God's going to see it and give me a little wink and a nod and let me into heaven. But I'm here to tell you this morning, you cannot earn salvation by your works. No one can earn salvation. You can't work hard enough. You can't be good enough. You can't do the right things long and heartily enough to earn salvation. God saw that, in fact. That no amount of good could cleanse us from our sins. Only the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness, the Bible says. How many believes that this morning? Amen. You see, what happens is religion says do, do, do. Relationship with Jesus says done, done, done. Jesus did all the hard work for us. He did all the heavy lifting. Listen to this. Jesus did what we couldn't do so we could live the life we couldn't live without him. 
Jesus didn't come to offer us a religion. I don't want a religion. I don't want that dead stuff. I hate religion. Religion is absolutely dead. It's outward exercise of rituals and stuff that doesn't address the heart of why Jesus came. Jesus came instead to offer us restored relationship back to God the Father that was broken in the Garden of Eden by Adam and Eve. Once sin entered in, that was it for the rest of us. We're born into that sinful bloodline. And God saw that and said, no, I miss you. I, I love you. I want relationship with you. Instead of earning salvation through being extra special good, as that song says, Jesus offers it unearned. He offers it undeserved. And he offers it free for the taking. God will never see your works and determine whether you've earned heaven. He doesn't measure it based on that. He only acknowledges Jesus once and for all work. We simply place our faith in that finished work. And then as a result of that, and here's where it gets fun. I don't have to do work for Jesus. I want to do work for Jesus because of what he's done for me, you see. I'm not doing something to earn salvation. I've already got salvation out of my gratitude, out of my thanks, out of my appreciation, out of my love for him. I say, now, here am I. Send me. What can I do for you? How can I tell others about this good news? How can I share like what Paul was saying? How can I not be distracted with all this stuff, but really focus on the harvest and make sure that I'm doing this out of a heart of gratitude because I want others to experience the same thing that I've experienced. How about you? I want others to experience the same thing that I'm experiencing right now, this sweet and loving relationship with Jesus that has no comparison to anything else in the universe. I'm grateful for salvation this morning. How about you? I'm not saved because I'm up here preaching or because I pray and read the word and try to do all the right stuff I need to do. I'm not saved by any of that. You know, you may look at people like me, pastors and preachers and all that, and think, oh, well, they're definitely saved. <laughs> it has nothing to do with what I do. It has everything to do with what Jesus has done and what then I'm living under. His grace, His mercy, undeserved, unearned, free. We're all in this together. I mean, He's thankful for the grace of God. The free gift of salvation. Amen. Let's give him praise for that. Amen. <clears throat> Another part of this song that says he'll be there with the answer to the prayers that you've made through the year. This speaks to our Christmas list. Oh, I, I, I hope that I can get what's on my list. Oh, Santa, that's my prayer. I'm going to sit on your lap at the ball and say, I want this and this and this and this and this. Can you do that for me, Santa? I hate to bring it to you. But Santa can't answer prayers. But Jesus can. Jesus can answer prayers. Hebrews 7.25 says that Jesus, who lives eternally, by the way. Sorry, Santa. Jesus is the only one that lives eternally right now. He's our high priest. You know, the other high priest in the Hebrews, if you read the Hebrews, it talks about, it's really a letter to the, to the Hebrew people, to the Jews. And so you have these high priests, they would live for a while, and then they'd die, and they'd replace and live and die, and all down the line. Jesus, this 
portion of the scripture says, is our permanent eternal high priest. He's never going to die. And he's seated in heaven right now, the Bible says, at the right hand of the Father. And he's making constant intercession for us, not just 9 to 5, 40 hours a week, you know, he punches in, punches out. And not for a period of time, not just seasonally. It's 24-7 eternally. He never sleeps. He never wearies. Nothing escapes his gaze and his awareness of what's going on in your life. And everything, Paul, again, that we talked about this week, and I know we can all relate to this. Everything that you're going through today, everything that you've brought with you to here we are today, that you're carrying with you, in fact, and, and I hope you don't do it, but you're going to maybe some of you carry it back out of here. You can leave it at his feet, by the way. You know that. And walk away from here free. And light, the load can be lifted and, and be light in your heart. Cast your burdens to him. But he's making intercession right now for you and for me. He's saying, Father, be with Paul and his mama and his wife and his dad-in-law and his family situation and his work situation. Father, be with Anita and his, her children and her grandchildren and Father, be with all of us as we're going through the different things we're going through in our life. He's specifically saying these things. He's calling out your name to the Father. And then he's calling out the specific and unique circumstances that you're going through. Say, this is what's happening right now in so-and-so's life. And I'm interceding. I'm, I'm interceding for you. I'm praying right now. I'm coming to the Father. Father... I need you to be aware of this. Not that you're not, but I just, I'm connecting with you and I want you to know that I'm interested. Isn't that good to know Jesus is praying for us right now? Isn't that good to know Jesus is praying for your situation right now? Your sickness, your struggle, your financial concern, your family situation, whatever it is that you're going through, Jesus is praying for you right now. He intercedes and he never stops. He doesn't take a break for lunch. He's not taking a five-minute break, you know, to, to go out and, and, and grab a, 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 a Twinkie or something and have a little snack. He's right there, 24-7. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. He's making intercession for you. You may say, well, Pastor, I prayed before and Jesus didn't answer my prayers. And I'm not sure he answers prayers. Well, yeah, he sure does answer prayers. He answers every prayer that you pray. But sometimes, let me ask you this. When you've asked for things in the past from some people, has the answer always been yes? I mean, think about it. As, as a child, when you ask your parents something, can I have this? Can I do this? Did you always say yes to them as your, as your, as to your children? Do you, John, do you always say yes to your children? Yeah, isn't that awful if you said yes every single time? Jason, you don't say yes every time, do you? Yeah, that's right. Sometimes we say no. That's an answer, isn't it? Isn't no an answer? It's not the answer we want, but it's an answer. How about this? Wait, not right now. Is that an answer? Sure, that's an answer. Jesus answers all of your prayers. Every single one of them. And as much as we as parents have done the same with our kids, Jesus did the same thing with us. Sometimes he says yes. Oh, we like the yeses. Sometimes he says no. It's like, what? Sometimes he says, wait, not now. Oh, but I want it now. Isaiah 55, 9 talks to this. He says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways. This is Jesus speaking. This is God speaking. So are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm glad that Jesus didn't answer some of my prayers with a yes. How about you? I mean, hindsight being 20-20, right? 
At the time, it was like, this has got to be a yes. This has got to be a yes. And he says, no. God, you don't love me. You don't answer prayer. Why isn't this happening? <clears throat> Just because you didn't get what you wanted, folks. Just because that thing didn't turn out like you wanted. Just, just because that particular situation or that opportunity you were praying about went the other way doesn't mean that God doesn't answer prayers. He does. Sometimes it's a yes, sometimes it's a no, and sometimes it's a wait. Not right now. His ways are higher than ours. He sees your future. He knows what's best. If you'll trust Him. Can I just say it again? You can trust God. You can trust Him with your life. You can trust Him with the details of your life. Because He always has your best interest at heart. Because He loves you with a perfect love. You're never going to be disappointed with His answers to your prayers. If you as a child simply just trust Him. And finally, the song says, he'll make this December the one you'll remember, the best and the merriest you ever did see. <laughs> Boy, that's a great thing to shoot for, isn't it? <clears throat> now, you may have a big, fancy, wonderful track record. Your Christmas track record may be, may be pristine. It may be 100%. Never disappointed. Perfect Christmas. Always. Well, good for you. Good for you. How did you do it? That's what I want to know. And furthermore, I just got to say, I think you're lying. In fact, I know you're lying. Because no Christmas is perfect. <clears throat> Even Santa can't pull that one out of his bag, can you, buddy? No, no perfect Christmas. There's always going to be disappointments. Stress levels will always be high. Family arguments will always ensue. Unwanted gifts will be returned for a refund. You'll get fruitcake. It's never going to be perfect. Events will never measure up to what we've created in our minds as the ideal Christmas should be. But this is what I want to ask you this morning. And I would like for you, if you will, can you... Dim the lights in the sanctuary. Just keep the ones on the stage, maybe, if you will. Emma's coming up to the piano. You can watch that. She's being seated. Okay, now, listen to this. If we can look at Christmas just a little bit differently this year, especially as we're all heading into this home stretch this week, I think we might be able to enjoy our Christmas more fully as we face the inevitable disappointments of this season. Because Christmas, at its very heart, it's not about gifts under the tree, as nice as they are. It's not about family around the table, as enjoyable as that is. It's not about the decorations, as beautiful as they are. It's not really about any of the other trappings that have made their way into what each of us has individually would consider to make it the best and the merriest Christmas you ever did have. Now enjoy them, but keep them in perspective. Because at the heart of everything that this month and this season and this celebration is all about is a baby 
in a lowly manger who is the Son of God, Emmanuel, God with us, born to die that we might live. When it's all said and done, when the tree is taken down, when the family heads back home and the decorations are put back in their boxes until next year, Christ remains. And all of a sudden, the best and merriest December you ever did have turns into an all-year-long celebration of the gift, capital G, gift, that will never grow old, never disappoint, the gift of Jesus, the gift of salvation, the gift of eternal life. Would you bow your hands? Lord, today we thank you for giving us your life, this gift a restored relationship back to God the Father. We're reminded of the simplicity when everything else is stripped away of this season. This little baby in a manger. Would you sing with me? Away in a away in a manger no crib for a the little Lord Jesus lay down his sweet head. The stars in the sky looked down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the crying he makes I love the Lord Jesus look down from the sky and stay by my cradle till morning is nigh so be near me Lord Jesus Jesus, I ask thee to stay close by me forever and love me, I pray. Bless all the dear children in thy tender care and fit us for heaven to live with thee may we be reminded of the little baby in the manger yes that we recognize this coming Sunday as your birthday so we recognize as the birthday whether you were born on that day or not is irrelevant we recognize it and celebrate it next Sunday but Lord for for those of us maybe who are here this morning that as the baby was born as you were born Jesus in that manger maybe you've not yet been born in our hearts 
We've heard that you're coming soon. There's going to be this unique trumpet sound. There's going to be this catching away of the bride of Christ, the church, those that have placed their faith in you, Jesus. We've heard about this awful tribulation that's going to take place. We've heard that we don't have to earn the salvation by our works or by being good, coming to church, or being because of who we're related to or because we're an American. It's a free gift. You've already done the work. And we thank you, Jesus, that as we come to these places of realization, maybe our hearts are not where they need to be. You're not living in our hearts. You're on our lips, but you're not in our hearts. You're in our minds, but you're not in our hearts. We're aware of you, but we're not serving you. We're not having communion with you. Lord, I pray that today would be a day that we can strip away all the stuff, that the trappings of the secular Christmas season and get down to the root of it, the core, the foundation, that beautiful little manger. For you came to be born so that you could die for us. We thank you, Jesus, for that. I want with every eye closed and head bowed, I'm going to ask those in this congregation today that maybe you're thinking, wow, this is something's going on in my heart. I don't know what's going on. I, I'm just, I, I want Jesus in my heart. I, I need him. I need to receive him as my Lord and Savior. That's good. Just with every eye closed and head bowed, I'm just going to look out to the congregation. And if you're at home watching, by the way, do the same. I can't see you, but you can certainly raise your hand and the Lord will see it because he knows your heart. Just lift up your hand and say, Pastor Ryan, I need Jesus in my heart. I have made a mess. I've served my, myself, the world. Yeah, I see that hand. Anybody else? I need to, yes, I see that hand too, people. Anybody else? The simple message of Christ. Let him, let him be born in the manger of your heart this morning, you know? Lord, we strip away all the rest of this stuff. Yeah, I see that hand. Thank you. Anybody else want to lift up and say, Pastor, that's, that's me. I want to be restored back to right relationship to God the Father through Jesus Christ's finished work on the cross. He, he was born to die. His blood was shed for my sins. I, I choose to, to, to be covered by that blood, to be forgiven by that wonderful Savior, Jesus, and to be restored back to right relationship to God the Father. You know, God loves you. He misses you. He wants a relationship with you. But sin has created that chasm. Jesus is the bridge to get you back. Is that you this morning? Just lift up your hand one more time. Just lift it up if you haven't already. Yeah, if you haven't already, I see two people. Anybody else that want to join these two, just lift them up and put it right back down. We'll pray together this prayer. And if you raise that hand at home too, just again, it's just an outward sign. That's not going to save you. But the Bible does say if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is God's Son, you will be saved. So I want you to pray this prayer with me, but I want it to be more than just words. Let it be something that you believe in your heart. Man, know what you're praying. Because you're getting ready to pray to God the Father. You're getting ready to pray the most important prayer you've ever prayed. The prayer that invites Jesus to come in your heart and forgive you of your sins. It's your most important eternal prayer. It'll change your destiny forever. <clears throat> Starting now. But all of you pray this prayer together. Say, Jesus, I thank you that you died for my sins. 
I'm a sinner. I try to live a good life, to do the right things, but I know now that that's not good enough. Today, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come live in my heart. Wash me clean of all my unrighteousness. Be the Lord of my life. I thank you for that free gift of salvation that is mine today. I receive it and I choose from this moment on to live for you. And I pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer and you meant that in your heart, you just got saved. And I want you to just know that He's more than just your Savior. Let Him be your Lord. Let Him take charge of the words that you say, the thoughts that you think, your actions, your goals, your future, your possessions, your relationships, everything about you. That is allowing Him to be Lord. And He works to sanctify you, to make you more like Him. Now you're going to mess up. How many as a Christian has messed up before, right? All of us have messed up. We say, all right, Lord, I'm sorry. Help me to be more like you. Help me to not do that anymore, to say that anymore, to be that way anymore. And he makes you more like him as you yield to him and allow him to take the reins of those areas in your life that you at this, at this point have not released to him. So relinquish those reins. And this is for all of us, church. Let him take your tongues. Let him take your thoughts. Let him take your actions, your goals, your future, your possessions, your relationships, everything about you. And say, be the Lord of it all. Because if you're not Lord of at all, you're not really Lord of anything. I'm not going to pick and choose what you can be Lord of. Let him be the Lord of everything. More and more and more each day. Amen? That's what being... You got, he's your Savior. He saved you. Now let him be your Lord. That's the process. That's the journey of faith that we're all on. And then you come to church. You read his word. You, you find out. You can hang around people that are of like faith. And that, that iron sharpening iron and encouraging one another. And we rub off on each other. And we, we, we speak, speak the word to one another. And we pray with one another. And we, we point people to Jesus one another. We help one another along. That's what the body of Christ is all about. We come to church to be encouraged and to learn and, and to be blessed and, and to be strengthened and to be equipped to go out from here. We pray and we read his word so that we can be fed that word and spend time with it. But that's the processes. That's the, that's the disciplines of the faith. That help us to be more like him so that a year from now when we're here, Lord willing, if the Lord should tarry, I don't know. But if he's not come back by then and we're here next year at this time, I hope that every single one of us in this place have grown to be more like him and less like this old dirty flesh. Right? Amen. It's good. I needed that. You may not have needed that. I needed that. <laughs> Would you stand with me this morning? <clears throat> if you made that decision for Jesus, if you don't have a Bible, I want you to come up to me and I'm going to get you a Bible before you leave. But if you have one, then take it. Read the book of John. Start there. Find out who this blessed Savior is that you just invited into your heart. John is a good place to start in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Right there. Next Sunday, I hope I'll see you all here. We're going to have a very special service. I want you guys to have a wonderful week this week. It's going to get cold. It's going to be really cold this week. It's going to feel like Christmas whatever that means these altars are open if you need prayer we have some precious people here that would love to pray with you about whatever it is that you've got in your heart as I said earlier in the service 
don't walk out of here carrying that big old sack of burdens with you but lay it at the feet of Jesus and walk out of here free and focused on doing his work his easy yoke there's a heavy yoke that's our burdens there's an easy yoke that's his work to tell others about him easier said than done but that's what he's called us to do right so come up for prayer the rest of you are dismissed we'll see you guys next Sunday